today's scripture reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. We're going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. So if you want to follow along, you can use your pew Bible or whatever form of the scripture you have handy. In my former, whoops, I was going to read you last week's reading. I'm off to a great start. Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in praying, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number, and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. And so he was added to the 11 apostles. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay. Yeah, there's kind of a you moment in that passage. Sorry for that. But uh, all the scripture is there for a reason, and we know that God has something in store for us, in, if only because it's a recognition that Peter gives to the fulfillment of prophecy, which is God's way of saying, not so much, I told you this would happen, but this is your sign that this is all part of the plan. That's really what prophecy is. So over the years, I have had this love affair with words and not so much my voice speaking them as much as I just, I like broadening my vocabulary just for fun. And uh, it comes sometimes at bad times and I get kind of cross-eyed looks from people who are saying, what are you talking about? And it's just me trying to learn a new word and use it in a sentence correctly. And uh, today's word is superfluous. Today's word is superfluous. And it means, literally as it sounds from its Latin origin, superfluid. That is to say, overflowing. 
more than enough, superfluous. And the reason this word comes to mind is because I'm asking myself the question, was Matthias a superfluous apostle? Was he more than enough apostles? Did, did he have to be appointed as an apostle or was, it necessary, or was it okay to just leave it as it was? I mean, God, after all, chose the apostle Paul. Jesus picked him on the road to uh, Damascus and then eventually he called himself an apostle of Jesus and therefore a witness of Jesus, the resurrected Lord. And then along comes Matthias as the appointed apostle successor to Judas who was the one who betrayed them. And the question is, was Matthias superfluous? Well, let's think about this for a second. The truth is, is we don't really know very much about the apostles, maybe the big four, right? You can, you can name a few apostles and you can tell a little bit about their lives because they're pretty well covered in the Bible. But what about all the other ones? And Matthias, for that matter. Um, I'm just curious if we can name the apostles. So you, you don't have to speak out loud, but you can if you want to. But, but let's see if we can name all of the apostles. Well, let's see. There's Peter. How many of you got that one? Yeah, yeah, that was easy. Andrew. Okay. That was uh, brother of Peter. And then James the son of Zebedee, and John, the other son, and uh, the brother of James, and then Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas. I bet you remember Thomas because he was doubting Thomas, but that was kind of a cruddy moniker for him. Matthew, James, and uh, that's the James that's the son of Alphaeus. Judas Thaddeus, also known as Jude. Simon the Zealot, also known as Simon the Canaanite. Judas Iscariot, he was the one that betrayed Jesus. And then, of course, they added Matthias later. And then Paul became an apostle as well by Jesus' appointment. And... If you could name those guys, let me, well, let me ask you this. How many of you thought about uh, Mark and Luke? How many of you thought Mark and Luke were apostles? They were actually secretaries to the apostles. Those, those, those were two guys. Mark was Peter's buddy. and kind of. So actually the Gospel of Mark could be called the Gospel of Peter because Mark was sort of the secretary that recorded Peter's Gospel. And Luke, well... Luke wrote as a sort of observer. That's why he writes to Theopolis or lover of God. He's, he's one that was part of the fellowship. He's probably could be described as the one who wrote the Gospel of Mary. Now, don't take that out of context. What I'm saying is, is that historically speaking, Luke probably was a close companion to John who was given charge of Mary to take care of her and to Mary the mother of Jesus and so Luke's gospel could be loosely considered the gospel of Mary the mother of Jesus and it kind of makes sense when you think about it because when you read Luke's gospel you get a lot of little details from a mom's perspective like 
around Christmas time, which Bible stories do we like best? The ones from Luke, because Mary's got all the little details that a mom would notice, the things that matter to a mom. But then there's all these other what I call unsung heroes in the Bible, these people whose story is not celebrated, and yet they might be just as important. And again, if I was to take a poll of my audience here, I would say that a lot of you have probably got some kind of knowledge of what Peter did. I mean, you know, I, I've been a big defender of Peter over the years, and one of the things that I really like to point out is, is you know, Peter kind of gets a bad rap because everybody points out all of his, his goofy moments, and they, they like to talk about how, you know, Peter was the guy who tried to walk on water and failed. And I'm always one of those that wants to point out that there were 11 other guys in the boat who didn't even try. You know, I like to point out that he was the first person to profess Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. And for this, he was called the rock or the foundation that the whole church that is the body of Christ, Church Universal, would be built on. So Peter's a pretty heroic character, and we get to see him in all his glory throughout the Bible because we see this man grow up in discipleship. We watch him go from a raw, rough-cut follower of Jesus to, by the time we read his letters, Peter has become quite an apostle himself. Do you know how Peter died? Some of you do, I bet. Peter and Paul were both crucified, or, or killed, I should say, in Rome. And around the same time, Peter was crucified. And he, the legend says he preferred to be crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to die in the same fashion as the Lord Jesus. And Paul was executed by beheading because he was a Roman citizen. So he was allowed to have a swift end. And both died around the same time under Nero. And then you probably know John because he wrote a gospel and he wrote a popular book called Revelation and some letters. Uh, you probably know a little bit about his story. You may know some things about James. Now, there are three Jameses mentioned in the Gospels, and it's a little hard to tell one from the other in the Gospels. So I'm not going to try to, to proclaim a particular knowledge of which James was which, but None of them got out of this without a scratch. That's one thing I can tell you for certain. And after that, it's not really clear what happened to the rest of them. And so here is the best known stories of what became of the apostles. You might find this interesting. I say best known because the very fact that some of them have lived and served the Lord in obscurity means that they don't all have really hard evidence about where they served and what they did. But there are lots of places in the world that claim them because the churches were established by them, it seems, in certain areas. So here we go. Andrew was known to have gone to, I've never heard this before, the land of the man-eaters. The land of the man-eaters, or what used to be the Soviet Union. I always knew those commies were bad. That's a joke, people. In my day, you could say things like that, and it wasn't politically incorrect. It was just funny. Because you knew the guy saying it was not that way. So anyhow, 
But here's the interesting thing is they still claim him to this day. In fact, uh, many of the, the Russian Orthodox churches have lots of icons and images devoted to St. Andrew, okay? And so there seems to be pretty good evidence that he went as far north as Turkey and then on to what is Russia and the former Soviet republics and, uh, and then eventually to Greece where he was crucified. Thomas was probably most active in Syria. And by the way, that's the same Syria that's Syria today. That's, that's one of those remarkable things about Bible history is, is everything that's said about Syria and Damascus is still true. It's happening right in front of our eyes. And uh, the Christians there have revered him as their founder. Um, there's a rather infamous book credited to him called the Gospel of Thomas that doesn't seem to have any real credibility but it's part of church history in that it is old and has certain relevance but isn't considered canonically correct so then there's Matthew the tax collector who wrote the Gospel of Matthew and they say that he ministered in Persia and Ethiopia. So Persia would be Iraq today. Ethiopia is still pretty much the same Ethiopia. And uh, it says that, uh, uh, tradition says that in Ethiopia he was stabbed to death. Then there's Bartholomew who had a widespread missionary travel. And uh, it's said that he went as far as India and uh, Armenia, and also he was in Ethiopia and Southern Arabia. And there are some accounts that say he met his death as a martyr, but it doesn't, there's no indication of exactly how. Then there's James, the son of Alphaeus. He's the one the, of at least three Jameses, and there's a lot of confusion about which is which, but James, the son of Alphaeus, apparently served in Syria, and the historian Josephus reported that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot, as the story goes, ministered in Persia or Iraq and was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. And then there's Matthias, the one we just met today, who was an apostle uh, by lot and choice. And tradition says that he went to Syria with Andrew and was burned to death. And then there's John who is the only one that appears to have died of old age natural causes. And his story is pretty well known to us because under the various leaders of Rome, he was either in or out. And he wrote Revelation while he was out. And he was banned to the mining colony on Patmos. Now, that's just a little lesson for you, but what do you take away from that? Being an apostle is a dangerous job. And it doesn't end well for those who were apostles. And yet, we don't know much about what they did. But what we do know is we're here right now. I mean, think about that for a second. I heard one of the Sunday school classes talk about how they're reading sort of a layman's guide to church history. Well, your layman's guide to church history has no doubt informed you of how the church grew and spread. And the remarkable thing is, is right here in Jasper, Indiana, we are worshiping the same Jesus that those apostles shared with all the world until the world took them out for it. And there are countless disciples of theirs 
who were followers of Jesus Christ because of them who also suffered and died and spread the good news across the world. And the truth is, we're living the very legacy that these people created and we don't know anything about them. Peter gets a great big obelisk in the middle of St. Peter's Square and Paul gets some pretty big churches named and so forth. But then these other guys, and let's talk for a minute about uh, uh, Barsabbas, right? The one that didn't get elected in place of Judas. Have you seen any monuments to him lately? Or what about all the wonderful women that Paul mentions in his letters to the churches? Phoebe. Uh, I just went blank on some of those girls, and I shame on me that sexist language too. Girls, they were ladies, incredible ladies. Timothy's mom. Uh, these are these are people that aren't celebrated, and yet they were critical to the spreading of the gospel. Now, there's a point I'm driving at, and I guess you figured it out. What about Matthias? Does it matter that we have an apostle named Matthias? I don't know. It does in the kingdom of God, though. And I remember a really wise man who told me a long time ago, he said, you know, Dan, you can have a little bit of glory and honor and money now, but it only lasts till you die. You get your 15 minutes of fame, right? But then if you'll wait for the glory and honor that God has in store for you in heaven, that lasts for all eternity. And believe it or not, the lesser known apostles and a lot of the other people in the world, even today, who are responsible for living the gospel, for teaching the gospel by example, by sharing the gospel with the word of mouth, or by supporting an organization like this where the gospel is the principal feature, and, and just all the little things we do to honor God and to obey God, they matter in heaven. They matter immensely in heaven. And what I have often joked about with people over the years, maybe even to the point of being inappropriately sarcastic, is, is how over the years of my clergy journey, something I never expected, little personal testimony here. The last thing I expected to be doing in 2018 is standing in front of a congregation preaching the gospel. That's the last thing in the world I saw myself doing many, many years ago, but God had other plans for me. And over the years, I've met a lot of people who were planning to do it from the day they were born because dad was a preacher, mom was a preacher, because, because, because there's a tradition in the family or because there's a, a, a really powerful pastor that's influenced them greatly and they wanted to be like that pastor. I could tell you that I don't have any of that. I got into this ministry business with nobody to model except Jesus. I, I don't have a pastor that I look up to and try to be like. I was raised in the Catholic Church and I don't even remember the priest's names. When I became a pastor, I just opened the book of discipline and read the first 75 pages or so and started doing what it said. And it said that Wesley says the Bible's the number one thing. And I said, good, I love the Bible. I'm going to stick with that plan. And this business of being a pastor has always been like that for me. It's just love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And anything you need to know worth retelling to others is in the Bible. 
That's the way I do church. It's the way I do ministry. And my point is, is that I found a lot of ministers find themselves eager to be famous or well-known or to win the approval of other ministry colleagues or to write a book. We joked in the Sunday school class because somebody said, it can't get over how Pastor Dan preached a sermon, then we go watch Andy Stanley videos and he says the same thing Pastor Dan said. And I said, well, that's because he calls me every week and asks what I'm preaching about. <laughs> right. You know the guys that write all the books and lead the mega churches? I'm sure they're awesome people. Not my ambition, friends. Not my ambition. My ambition is to serve like Christ. To do whatever it takes. If it's kneeling down in a flower bed and pulling weeds one day, fine. If it's serving others while they serve the Lord, then I'm fine with that. If it's putting out donuts and coffee, I'm fine with that. If it's getting up here and being plain and honest with you, about my life with Christ. I'm okay with that. And my hope is, is that it doesn't lead to any particular glory on earth because I don't want it anymore. I did once, but I don't want it anymore. I just want to honor God. And I would like to see as many people join me in that as possible. And I'd like to think that the little things we do in the little places where we are that nobody knows matter immensely in heaven. And I'd like to close with an example from a book that I've just finished reading twice because I loved it so much. It's called A Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And I've been talking about it around the office quite a bit. There's a certain instance where the character in the book is in the place we go to after we die and making the journey from just the other side of life on earth to the presence of God. And on this journey, He's been led by a guide at a particular procession of people is making its way across the plains and the beautiful grass of this particular part of the afterlife. And he watches this procession and then this is what is said. First came bright spirits, not the spirits of men who danced, scattered flowers. Then on the left and right at each side of the forest avenue came youthful shapes, boys upon one hand, girls upon the other. If I could remember their singing and write down the notes, no man who read the score would ever grow sick or old. Between them went musicians, and after these a lady in whose honor all this was being done. I cannot now remember whether she was naked or clothed. If she were naked, then it was, must have been the almost visible penumbra of her court courtesy and joy, which produces in my memory the illusion of a great and shining train. In other words, she just glowed so bright you couldn't tell one way or another. And here's what he says, then the illusion of nakedness is doubtless due to the clarity with which her inmost spirit shone through the clothes. For those in that country are not, for clothes in that country are not a disguise. The spiritual body lives along each thread and turns them into living organs. A robe or a crown is there as much one's of one of the wearer's features as a lip or an eye. But I've forgotten, and only partly do I remember the unbearable beauty of her face. Is it, is it, I whispered to my guide, not at all, said he. It's someone you'll never have heard of. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith, and she lived at Golders Green. She seems to be, well, a person of particular importance, 
I, she is one of great, one of the great ones, yet you have not heard of her fame in your country, but in this country, she has great fame. And who are these gigantic people? Look, they're like emeralds who are dancing and throwing flowers before her. Haven't you read Milton? The guide said, a thousand liveried angels lackey her. And who are all these young men and women on each side? They are her sons and daughters. She must have had a very large family, sir. Every young man or boy that she met became her son, even if it was only the boy that brought the meat to her back door. Every girl that met her was her daughter. Isn't that a bit hard on her own parents? No, there are those who steal other people's children, but her motherhood was of a different kind. Those on whom it fell went back to their natural parents, loving them more. Few men looked on her without becoming in a certain fashion her lovers, but it was the kind of love that made them not less true, but more true to their own wives. And how, but hello, what are these animals? A cat, two cats, dozens of cats, and all those dogs, why, I can't count them, and the birds, and the horses. They were her beasts. Did she keep a sort of zoo? I mean, this is a bit too much. Every beast and bird that came near her had its place in her love. In her they became themselves. And now the abundance of life she has in Christ from the Father flows over into them. And I looked at my teacher in amazement. Yes, he said, it is like when you throw a stone into a pool and the con a concentric waves spread out further and further. Who knows where it will end? Redeemed humanity is still young. It has hardly come to its full strength, but already there is joy enough in the little finger of a great saint such as yonder lady to waken all the dead things of the universe into life. Isn't it beautiful? In heaven, the unsung heroes are celebrated by angels and a parade of all the lives that they have touched follows them as they go. What a beautiful image and what an important reminder to us that the little things we do on earth every day, the little things we do for the least among those around us, the things we do for our children, the things we do for other people's children, the things we do for our friends and our neighbors and those we meet on the street, the people we encounter in the stores and the shops and the workplace, all the little things we do have an impact on our part of the kingdom of God. And it will all be lauded and celebrated in heaven, if not on earth. Why does Matthias matter? I don't know. But I'm sure when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out. And I can't wait to see how you are celebrated in heaven one day. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for your word and for the image of the little things that make such a huge difference. Oh, God, help us now to be like the woman in the story, Sarah. Help us to make a difference in all that we do so that long after we're gone, our legacy in heaven will be celebrated by the angels, meaning that we loved with your spirit of love and we were for the world that we were encountering an image of Christ. It is for that reason we pray in his name. Amen. Mm -hmm.